Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin with another podcast from Forgotten Sheep. And in this podcast, which will be one of uh, two or three parts, we're going to be talking about something a little different. We're going to talk about a revival that took place in China in the uh, 1930s, the Shandong or Shantong Revival. So, I presented this talk uh, at a retirement community called Atria Willow Park in Tyler, Texas, and I was very honored to have present uh, Mrs. Mary Walker, whose parents were a part of this move of God, and she was a child during that time. She knew the missionaries that were there. As I was putting up some pictures, she was able to identify who the different missionaries were, and talked about what had happened to her mother during that time. And it was exciting for me, having read about the this revival many years ago, it was exciting for me to meet somebody that had been there, that had seen it, that had experienced it, that had felt it. And so, that's what we're going to be talking about. So first of all, let's talk about uh, Shantung, also known as Shandong. It's located in the Hunan province on the eastern coast of China. Uh, the name Shandong translates to east of the mountains. And this is an area with an ancient, ancient history going back many thousands of years. Uh, it has always had a major impact on the development of China. It was near trade routes. So it's interesting that this is the place that the Lord chose to send a mighty move of God right before World War II. China would be devastated during World War II as the Japanese attacked and invaded. And while their army was weakened, while the Nationalist Army was weakened from fighting in the war, uh, the communists were able to come in and take over. And the Lord knew what was waiting for China, and He knew that that area needed a mighty move of God to prepare them for what lie ahead. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So, things were bad in China. Starting in about 1927 is kind of where this story starts. Uh, they were bad physically uh, and spiritually. The country was in turmoil. And there was so much violence, uh, some of it aimed against uh, missionaries, that uh, the American missionaries were concerned that they might be called back to the States uh, from the mission field. And the missionaries and the church leaders had been devastated to see so many of their converts fall away when these problems hit. Uh, the churches were cold and apathetic. And things were bad enough that many of the missionaries actually began to resign. They just didn't feel like they could do anymore. And something was needed. The Christians had been doing their very best to do the Lord's work. But it seemed that, as the scripture would say, much of what they had been doing turned out to be wood, hay, and stubble. It wasn't lasting. It wasn't standing. There was a need for revival. Now, the missionaries that stayed on were discouraged. But they were ready to humble themselves before the Lord and seek Him afresh and anew. And the Lord undoubtedly saw their desire and humility and sent an answer to their needs, both the needs in their personal spiritual life and in their missionary work. That answer was on its way. Now, before the Shantung Revival took place, there had actually been so much prayer going up to the Lord about the need for a revival. 
Uh, many of the local Chinese and missionaries alike had been seeking the Lord. There was a prayer group of women in one area called, I believe, Sinan. And then another pair of missionaries, John and Jewel Abernathy, uh, held meetings in their homes starting back in 1925, where the theme of prayer was, O Lord, revive thy church beginning in me. And in the summer of 1930, another group of missionaries started a prayer list very specifically seeking God for a revival, seeking the Lord for a move of God. And the Lord was about to send one. And according to the research I've done and the books I've been reading, that catalyst for that revival took the form of a Norwegian evangelical Lutheran missionary. So, let's talk about this Miss Marie Munson. As I mentioned, she was an evangelical Lutheran missionary to China. She had been a missionary there for many years, about 30 years, when she ended up being kidnapped. Being kidnapped, uh, captured by pirates. The ship that she was on board, the ship she was sailing on, was captured by pirates. And... Miss Munson said that she heard the pistol shots and she knew what it was. She knew it was pirates. And at that moment, the Lord spoke to her and he gave her a word. He told her, this is the trial of your faith. And instead of fear taking hold in Marie, she said a joy took hold in her. And verses began to come to her mind to bring her comfort, to strengthen her for what was ahead. She would be a prisoner of those pirates for 23 days. And one of the scriptures that came to her is Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, Marie, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, Marie, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, Marie, yea, I will uphold thee, Marie, with the right hand of my righteousness. And that didn't mean that she was immediately going to escape. That didn't mean that she wouldn't be threatened. That didn't mean that she wouldn't be in danger. It didn't mean that she wasn't going to go through scary times and rough times with this. But it meant that the Lord would be there with her. Now, as soon as the other missionaries heard what had happened to Marie, that she had been captured. They were horrified. A lot of them sailed on that very ship that had been taken. And they began to lift her up and uphold her in prayer. And the Lord, the Lord answered her pr those prayers. Now, Marie would have a gun held to her head. She would be told repeatedly that when the pirates left, they were taking her with them. Uh, she would be threatened. She would have one pirate burst into her room with, shall we say, less than honorable intentions. Yet in all of that, not a hair of her head was harmed. She steadfastly refused to obey their orders. If they brought her food that she knew was stolen, she refused to eat it. She refused to be frightened by them. She refused to be frightened by their threats. And through the grace of God, as Marie is in this situation fraught with danger and fear, she was able to witness to 200 passengers and 50 robbers. 200 passengers and 50 robbers heard the gospel. And this included several hours that she spent dealing directly with the pirate captain about his soul. 
And so when she was released, she came out of that in victory. The Lord gave her victory in that distressing situation. I'll tell you what, if I had heard pistol shots, I would have probably passed dead out in a faint. I am a big chicken and I admire her courage and I admire the grace that the Lord is able to provide in situations like that, where she was able to come through that more than victorious. Now, that was one of the major things that became a part of Miss Munson's reputation, the fact that she had been kidnapped by pirates. However, she had another reputation, one not all the missionaries were really excited about. She would go up and ask people, including missionaries, have you been born again? Some people were annoyed by the question. Others were puzzled. And some got very, very worried. Now imagine the shock of the other missionaries when they found out that one of their own, someone that had been a missionary to China for several years, had recently been born again. So she would ask people this, including the church leaders, have you been born again? And you know what? That is the question that as I've studied this and I've thought about this, that seems to be the key to this revival. Have you been born again? And I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk about why that was an important question then and why I think it's also still an important question. Now I'd like, like I said, I want to talk about why this subject, this question, have you been born again, was so important. Now, one of the most comprehensive books written about the Shantung Revival was by Reverend C.L. Culpepper. Uh, and he was the father of Miss, Mrs. Mary Walker that was in my meeting this morning. An excellent missionary uh, with the Southern Baptist Church. And he described in his book very well why the question that Miss Munson asked was so important, why it was wise to focus on that. Now, he and his wife, I'm going to just give you a little preview of where we'll be going in a while. They experienced an absolutely miraculous healing during this time. But like I said, we'll talk about that in a minute. But one of the points that Brother Culpepper made was that sometimes people are converted to Christianity instead of being converted to Christ. Now, what that means, they begin to attend church. They read their Bible. They pray. They follow the quote-unquote rules, but their heart has never truly been changed. Now, in order to be truly saved, we must be born again. We must become a new man or a new woman in Jesus Christ, and we don't have the power to do that. Just going to church and reading your Bible and praying and attending meetings and singing hymns and fasting and all of that, that's not enough to bring about that change that is so necessary. That will not cause us to be born again. That's something that the Lord Jesus Christ has to do in our hearts. We may be able to make changes on the outside, but only Jesus can make changes on the inside. And the missionaries felt that this was true of many of their converts and that it might explain why so many converts were falling away when troublesome times came. They hadn't truly 
been born again. They had been converted to Christianity without being converted to Christ. And as it would turn out, this was true of some of the missionaries also. Even though they had been in church and prayed and read and they'd studied in Bible college and they had even gone on to the mission field to spread the word of the gospel, some of them had not been born again. And this can be a problem for us too, especially those of us like myself who were raised in the church. We have a very thorough head knowledge of Jesus. We may have memorized scriptures as a child, gone to Sunday school, gone to um, children's church, gone to youth church, uh, been a part of, at least in the Assemblies of God, we called it the Missionettes and the Royal Rangers. We may have even gone to Bible college. And we grew up surrounded by the things of God. And sometimes we mistake that, that head knowledge those outward actions for being a Christian, but that is not what makes us born again. The Bible tells us very clearly in James that faith without works is dead. Faith without a change in our lives is not saving faith. Now, there was another issue that uh, Brother Culpepper felt that this question of have you been born again, that it was very important in the way that it addressed that. And so one of the concerns that they had was that the converts and missionaries had accepted grace as a covering for their sins rather than as a promise for deliverance from their sins. And we can fall into that so easily. This is just as important a message for the church today as it was for the Chinese church in the 1930s. How many times have we gone to the Lord and we've asked him to forgive us our sins with no real intention of stopping what it is that we're doing? How many times have we prayed for the Lord to forgive us and yet we knew we were probably going to do it again? And these sins that I'm talking about, it's not necessarily shocking things like adultery or murder or abortion or uh, lying. It can be sins that are inside of our hearts that maybe nobody else can see. Unforgiveness, bigotry, hatred, bitterness, jealousy, envy. These are just as bad in the eyes of God. And these quote-unquote smaller sins, as we might see them, will hinder the working of God in our lives. We may have asked God for forgiveness, but held on to that sin in our hearts. And that will eventually cause spiritual death. The Bible says if we sow to the flesh, that we will reap of the flesh corruption. Nothing good will ever come out of holding on to our sins. Nothing good will ever come of trying to use the grace and mercy of God as a whitewash for our sins. And that was the second major concern that they had for the converts and for the missionaries. And so that is part of why that question was so important. Have you been born again? Now, let's talk a little bit about Miss Munson. Uh, as Miss Munson 
began to recognize that many of the Chinese church members had not been genuinely born again. She also recognized in herself her own spiritual shallowness and apathy, her own lukewarmness that had taken hold in her heart. And this a realization came to her about 14 years after she had been in the mission field. And so she began to pray and pray for the Lord to help restore her to where she needed to be spiritually. And uh, Miss Munson said that as she prayed this, the devil would tell her she wasn't worthy of any blessing from God. But you know what? The devil is a liar. And the whole point of blessing is it's something that we don't deserve. In reality, we deserve nothing from God. And yet, through his mercy and his compassion, he will bless us. And he promises in his word, if you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. He said, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Ask, and ye shall receive. In fact, the Lord is more willing to pour out his spirit on us than we are willing to pray for it. But the reality is that he wanted to bless that. The Lord wanted to bless Miss Munson. He wants to see us restored. He wants to see us revived. He wants to see us have a true born-again experience. Now, the scripture that the Lord gave Miss Munson that took on special meaning for her was that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. And the Lord showed her something wonderful in that scripture one night. And she said she felt the Lord's presence and power flow through her soul and she was overcome with joy. And she said she spent the rest of that night praising the Lord and singing. And she sang and she sang until her voice gave out and then she started playing hymns on the organ. And she was not the same woman after that night. She had experienced a touch from the Lord, a revival in her heart. Now, different denominations would like to put labels on the experience that Miss Munson had. But for the purposes of this podcast and this talk, I'm going to avoid any labels. I think sometimes labels can divide us when we should be unified. And I think there are certain things that we can all agree on. And one of them is that something wonderful happened to Miss Munson that night. I think we can agree that she had a touch from the Lord, that she had a revival in her heart and a special anointing that the Lord was giving her for that Shantung revival for which she would be the catalyst. The Lord was preparing her. Now, I'd like to talk for a little bit about one of the missionaries that the Lord began to deal with about being born again. Now, this comes from the book that was written by a missionary, Miss Mary Crawford. And in her book, Miss Mary Crawford does not use names. Uh, Example, Miss Munson was Miss M. And if I recall correctly, this young lady was Miss L. She was a lady missionary a young woman of sterling character, had a definite call to China, was admired by many. And she was attending some meetings to help uh, encourage the missionaries. And she began to have concerns about her spiritual life. 
Now, to all appearances, she had been born again since she was a child. She had enjoyed going to church, memorizing Bible verses, and seeing her prayers answered. Uh, she had recognized the presence of sin in her life when she was a child. There was a particular incident in which she had stolen 25 cents from a neighbor to buy candy with. And she'd never repaid the money, even though she'd asked for forgiveness. Um, now, once she came under very strong conviction during a church service when she was 13. And she was about to go to the altar. And she stopped and reassured herself that, I'm a church member, so I must be saved, so I don't need to go to the altar. Uh, later on, she was at a revival meeting, and there was an altar call for sinners to come forward. And she looks over at a friend of hers, and she says, Who is a sinner? And her friend said, Oh, it's the people not in church. Now, that childhood sin of theft would haunt her for many, many years. And she would ask for forgiveness, and she'd ask the Lord to help her forget about it, but she was too prideful to return the money too prideful to admit what she had done. Now, later she was attending meetings in Huangshin, I believe is how I was told to pronounce that. Now, I love this. The attendees were encouraged to get along with the Lord until they felt his presence. And anyone that's listening to that podcast, that is good advice for every single one of us. When was the last time that we got alone and stayed there until we felt the Lord's presence. Well, that's what this young missionary lady did. She went back to her room, and as soon as she felt the Lord's presence, she took off. Remember back uh, in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, after they had sinned and they had realized they were naked and had tried to cover themselves with leaves and plants, they heard the voice of the Lord in the garden. And what did they do? The Bible tells us they hid themselves. They ran from the presence of God. Sin will cause us to run from the presence of God. But that's the very thing the devil wants us to do. Because if we will stay in the presence of God, we can get that sin taken care of. But that sin of theft, that theft when she was a child, that 25 cents for candy came before her again. Well, she returned home on furlough, had a chance to make things right, but was still too prideful to do so, and she didn't. And then she returned from furlough. And she heard Miss Munson was headed to the area where she worked. She did not want that woman coming there. She knew what Miss Munson was going to ask her. She knew Miss Munson was going to ask her, have you been born again? And she wouldn't be sure what to answer. And she was dreading the fact that Miss Munson was coming. However, a fellow missionary encouraged her to just pray, Lord, send a revival and begin in me. So that's what this young lady began to pray. Miss Munson arrives and is going to hold a meeting. And our young lady missionary makes sure she gets on the front row. She wants Miss Munson to realize there was no lack in her and she was just fine. And she was all braced for Miss Munson to ask her, have you been born again? But that's not what happened. Instead, Miss Munson said, uh, or asked the missionaries if they would begin asking others that they were uh, witnessing to and trying to reach for the Lord, ask them if they had been born again. So this young missionary, she was all ready to go do that. And so she went out and she was about to ask someone that question. And she couldn't get the words out. 
And she thought to herself, you aren't born again. How can you ask someone else? She reached an impasse in her spiritual life. She was in distress for a few days, and finally she thought, I will lay out my case before Miss Munson. She goes to Miss Munson and says, may I walk with you this afternoon? Miss Munson says, I'm sorry, but I'm going with someone else. So she thought, okay, I'll catch Miss Munson that night. Well, that night she couldn't find her. So she went back to her room, and she knelt down. And I love it. She prayed a very straightforward prayer. She said, Lord, I don't know whether I'm saved or not, but you know. I want to be right with you and with man. Please show me what is wrong. And our young lady missionary suddenly saw her sin. She realized the sin that was in her life. And just as suddenly as she realized that sin and saw the terribleness of it, she also realized that Jesus had paid the price for those sins, that there was forgiveness for her. And as she thought on that, joy and assurance of salvation overwhelmed her. And as I was reading this in Miss Mary Crawford's book, what I immediately thought of was that scene in Pilgrim's Progress, where Pilgrim, with that heavy burden of sin strapped to his back, stood before the cross, and that burden of sin fell off, and he was freed. And that is what happened. She was born again, and that very moment, she said assurance flooded her, and she hopped up and went to her desk and wrote a letter home, and with it was included one dollar to pay back what she had stolen and a confession of what she had done. And she said that she had no doubt ever again that she was born again. She never feared that question again. And that's a powerful testimony. And that's a warning to us that not to take for granted just because we grew up in church that we're born again. But we, each and every one of us, must have that born-again experience. And there can be an assurance that we are saved. Remember that song by Fanny Crosby, that old, old hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. That experience that assurance is available to each and every one of us and if we don't have that assurance we can do just like this missionary did and we can go to Jesus and say Lord I don't know whether I'm saved or not but you know I want to be right with you and with man please show me what is wrong and if we'll go before the Lord with that type of attitude, he will show us and he will deliver us. He'll make a way for us. And we too can have that assurance of salvation. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is what happened to the Culpepper's uh, shortly before the Shantung revival. Now, asking probing questions wasn't the only thing that Miss Munson was known for. Um, during her meetings, people were being healed. Now, she did not teach on healing. She did not teach on it 
She only testified of what the Lord was doing. Um, Now, there are many ministers uh, in the present and in the past that have had a ministry of healing. And they preached on it and they taught it and they had special prayers for the sick. But this was just something that the Lord seemed to be doing outside of her involvement. And the denomination that she represented, Evangelical Lutheran, as well as that of most of the missionaries she worked with, had been taught that the Day of Miracles was past. And many of the missionaries were skeptical of these reports coming from Miss Monson's uh, meetings. Now, the Culpeppers were Southern Baptist, and just about every denomination except the Pentecostals at that time believed that the Day of Miracles was past. And so, that was uh, those stories of healing were garnering a lot of attention. So, Brother Culpepper's wife, Ola, was suffering greatly from optic neuritis. It was a decay of the optic nerve. And, in fact, this had started when she was a college student at Baylor here in Texas, where I'm at. Uh, And her vision had gotten so bad that she had to quit her studies. And she developed very severe pain. And they had gone on furlough back to the United States at one point and gotten medical help from her from some of the best specialists in the United States. And they did all they could for Ola. But there was just so much that they could do. And after they were back in China, the pain returned. It was very bad. And she was losing vision in one eye. And I've been blessed with good eyesight. I'm nearsighted, but I have good eyesight. And I know that as my mother was getting more and more sick toward the end of her days, she began to have uh, periods where she would lose the vision in one eye, and it scared her. And it scared me, too, being her kid. And so I can imagine just a little bit of the fear and concern in the Culpeper family at that time. Here they were in the middle of their missionary work in China, and her vision was worsening, and they knew there was nothing more that the doctors could do. And in the natural, Ola's condition seemed hopeless. But then they heard about the healing testimonies coming out of Miss Munson's meetings. And uh, Miss Munson came into the area, and Ola felt she should speak with Miss Munson about her eye condition. And as Miss Munson met the Culpeppers at her door, she asked Brother Culpepper, Brother Culpepper, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And in his own words, Brother Culpepper stammered a response. And I will tell you that when I told this story earlier today, his daughter laughed and nodded her head that that was exactly what happened. Uh, They talked with Miss Munson uh, for a couple of hours and went home, but they went home troubled. For a Southern Baptist at that time, to pray for healing was very unorthodox. And as they studied their Bibles, they were trying to get the Lord's guidance on this. They felt strongly that the Lord was asking them to be completely open to him. So the next morning, 20 people came to the Culpeppers' home for prayer. And after extended time of praying, the group seemed to have reached some kind of a unity, a, a unity in prayer, a communion in spirit. And they felt the Lord very close. And all of a sudden, 
Ola takes off her glasses and she sets them on the mantel. And following the Bible's instructions, Brother Culpepper anointed her with oil and prayed for her healing, a quiet, simple prayer for healing. And then they knelt down and continued to pray. And they felt the Lord so very close in that prayer meeting. The Lord's presence was extremely real in that meeting. Two Chinese cooks came into the room. And everybody knew how much they despised each other. They hated each other. And they came in that room at the same time. And the presence of God was so real in that place that they were instantly convicted of sin. And they confessed and repented. And they were born again there on the spot. No one had to say anything to them. No one had to deal with them. The Lord was so close. The Lord's presence was so real that they knew. Wouldn't you love to be in a meeting like that again? And then someone remembered Ola. And they asked her about her eyes. And Ola replied that she felt all right and the pain was gone. And it never returned. And her daughter told us today that she never wore glasses again until she got older and had to have reading glasses. The Lord healed that optic neuritis that the doctors could do no more for. A simple prayer of healing. Anointing of oil and prayer of healing. And Ministers of a denomination that frowned on such practices and the Lord healed her completely. And according to the Culpepper's, this was the most wonderful thing they had ever experienced. And Dr. Culpepper pointed to this whole experience as being a prelude to the Shantung revival. Now there's something else that I want to add to this. Um, I had become frustrated in preparing this talk uh, for my live presentation where I have pictures and things. I hadn't been able to find a picture of uh, Sister Ola Culpepper. And so I was doing a quick Google search in the lift on the way over to uh, the retirement community. And instead of finding a picture of her, I found a letter that she had written. And that's what I want to share with you guys. Um, this was a letter from Ola Lane Culpepper to Dr. C.E. Madry, November 20th, 1933, from Huangshan, Shantung, China. And what happened is there had been accusations leveled against some of the Southern Baptist missionaries that they had forsaken the Baptist tradition and were behaving uh, as if they had adopted Pentecostalism. And at that time, uh, there was uh, a lot of division between the Pentecostals and the Baptists. And this is a letter that uh, Ola wrote. And I want to share part of this with you. It is very moving. She said, your letter came two days ago, and I shall try to answer today. I'm not sure whether Mr. Culpepper can write today or not. He's been sick several days with influenza, and he got up and went to class too soon, causing a relapse. He is better, but still in bed and weak, of course. But he will write as soon as he is able. Our little girl, Mary, has typhoid fever. Uh, note, that was the 
uh, lady that was in our meeting today, the daughter of uh, Mrs. Culpepper. She has been very ill, but the change for the better has come. She's been sick so much this year. In the summer, she had amoebic dysentery, and I suppose her rundown physical condition made her an easy prey to typhoid. There is a great deal of it around. Dr. Bryan and Miss Wright are so good to us. My letter will be written between her calls, but I hope the content will not be too disconnected. In reply to your letter, I felt after much prayer that I can only tell you my experience, and I am asking the Lord to help me write so you can understand. Letters are so unsatisfactory, but I felt from the very first letter we had from you a warmness from your heart and that you are really leaning on the Lord. I know if I could talk with you, you would understand. People have some misunderstanding about the spiritual life of missionaries. I really felt that when I surrendered to come to China that I was fully surrendered to the Lord. I believe many people hold that view. And I found out when I got here that I needed much in a spiritual way. I really didn't know what I needed nor how to get it. I have heard a missionary say this, we either grow spiritually or we go back on the foreign field. And I am sure that is true. Our very souls are tried by this cold, ungodly atmosphere of heathenism and the lack of the work of the Holy Spirit like we feel it at home. But I was really very, very much in need spiritually when I tried to work here, we must have much of God's power flowing through us or we see nothing happen. And then I realized how empty I had always been as a Christian. A longing came into my heart to know my Lord better. I can't tell you what a longing. I knew I didn't have any victory over sin in my life. I saw the children of God's own chosen ones giving their lives to this world. And I realized I lacked as a mother the power to instill within my children a holy fear of God. I saw that as a wife I hindered my husband by my often nagging and discontent about the little rubs of life. I talked with unsaved people about their souls and they were not saved. I could lead meetings, organize societies, teach classes, etc., etc. But when it came to bearing the real fruit, I was fruitless and I knew it. And as I said before, I longed for something more and felt perfectly helpless to know how to lay hold of the Lord for it. So I started reading my Bible through more rapidly than once a year as my custom had been. I knew it was full of the teaching that we are to be radiant Christians, full of praise and victory. And my hunger grew, for I did not have those things. I was happy when things were running smoothly and unhappy in the clouds. I started rising an hour earlier for prayer and Bible study. Oh, I just pled with the Lord to give me light. Then Mr. Larson came. He had been refilled with the Spirit about two months before that. And I wasn't the only one here that was hungry. Many had been crying to the Lord for blessing, and he heard our cry. During those days, I suddenly felt led to pray that if there was anything in the way that God would show me. Almost immediately, he showed me many sins I must make right. I had wronged a high school maid, and he plainly showed me that I must write her, although I knew she didn't know what I had done. There were several things I had to do, and they were severe blows to my pride. But the Lord has clearly guided me. And then there was some damage to the letter, and parts are unreadable. Oh, I knew Jesus had saved me. 
but he was showing me that it must be only a truly cleansed vessel that he could use. In his strength, I humbled myself as he led. One evening after the service, a few of the Chinese brothers and sisters and a few of us missionaries came here to our house to pray. And when we knelt down, I knew I was saved. And I knew the Holy Spirit had been in my heart every day since. But I know he was not there in the fullness. And I firmly believe that when I fully surrendered and trusted him, that he would reign and rule supreme in my heart. But many questions came to my mind to make me fear. They had been there often before, but I just said, Lord, you have told us to be filled. And all these questions I surrender to you. And I love this part, guys. Listen, I haven't words to express to you what happened in my soul then. But a joy filled me that seemed it would hurt my very body. Jesus was more real to me than anyone in the room. The work of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus, and I really met my Lord that night in a way I did not dream could be. This joy that filled my soul just rolled over me in waves and waves. When a great sorrow came into our home five years ago, it was my very soul that was grieved. But my sorrow expressed itself through my tears, referring to the death of their daughter. When this joy came into my soul, it expressed itself through laughter. I had never heard a Pentecostal preach in my life. I had never heard of anyone being as happy in the Lord that he laughed. I didn't know that anyone ever had. But since then, I found out that scores have all through the years. And since then, I've seen in the Bible, our mouths were filled with laughter, and Abraham laughed when God was renewing his covenant with him. I knew all that was happening, but I was utterly lost in the ocean of God's love. A spirit of intercession came over me as I had never known. My heart seemed melted in love to God and every person that I knew. I had been struck many times with the multiplied verses in God's word telling us to praise him. I did praise, partly because I wanted to and partly because I was commanded to. But that night I would have died if I could not have praised him. The praise just poured out of my heart. I felt I could never praise him enough. I did not speak in tongues as some have. I had felt as bitter against that all my life, but the Lord had taken all the bitterness out of my heart. And that's just the excerpt that I wanted to read to you. Her personal story of what the Lord did to her during that revival. And friends, those of you that are listening, those stories let us know that the Lord wants to do that again. He wants to do that in the, every heart and every soul. And if we will turn to the Lord and we'll follow the example that they left for us of praying and saying, Lord, if there's anything in my life that is a hindrance, if there's, show me what is a hindrance, show me what is in my life that is a problem, and we'll submit to the Lord, we can experience a fiery renewal of our experience with God. We can have a revival in our hearts. And when enough people, enough Christians start to experience a revival in our hearts, it will start to impact the church. And when it begins to impact the church, it begins to impact the world also. And so anyone that's listening, I want to encourage you to take hope in these stories that I'm sharing and realize 
that this isn't just something for the past. It was in the Bible and it's for us today that we can have our experience with God renewed. We don't want to be like the church of Laodicea where the Lord said, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. And he said to them, if they didn't return to him, he would take away their candlestick. We don't want that to happen. Let us seek the Lord until we have that first love all over again. Thank you for listening.